Today we're also really excited to have Kevin Linderman with us, and uh, Kevin's going to join me in uh, this message. Uh, Kevin, if you'll come up on stage. Uh, Kevin is our missionary to Tanzania, and uh, last week we got to talk about our missionaries in Turkey as they reach out to the Muslim world, and that's a very difficult place, and we're not just seeing a lot of just immediate results. Tanzania is almost quite different. They've been there for 10 years. They're now working with over 100 churches and doing just amazing things in a field that is truly ripe for harvest. And I love Kevin and Charity because not only are they just our missionaries, but they're a part of our church. And when you guys have been here, we've just fallen in love with you. And, uh, you know, I tried to wear my, my nicest birthday shirt to show off and Look what you wear. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, man. Kevin, you want to say anything to the church as we get started? Uh, well, yeah, I just want to uh, thank you all, of course, for all your continued prayers and encouragement of us. And Charity's not here and the kids aren't here. It's a short trip for me back to the States. But they greet you all and they thank you as well. And it's, just a, it's a great pleasure to be here. It's a great joy to be here with the worship and to see all of you all again. So thank you all for being so hospitable and so welcoming. Well, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. If you have your Bible, everybody go into Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be closing that chapter out today. We've been looking at this great chapter of faith. And, and if you've read Hebrews much, and nobody really knows who the author is, but we do know this about the writer of the book of Hebrews. He was an amazing preacher. If you read, read the book of Hebrews, is, the whole thing is like a sermon. And, and like any great preacher, he's having a hard time bringing it to a conclusion. All right? And so the first words in our text this morning are, and what more shall I say? Um, you know, he, he wants to bring it to conclusion, be so excited. Really, these words mean nothing. He goes on for another two and a half chapters, all right? He's, he's obviously got much more to say about faith. It's like what they say is, what does it mean when your preacher looks at his watch? The answer, absolutely nothing, all right? Well, well, that's what this preacher's like. Um, just out of curiosity, Kevin, how long do preachers preach in Tanzania? What's an average sermon length? <laughs> well, you get as much time as you want. You know, it, it's, it's wide open for you. I mean, it doesn't matter what time you start. I mean, you can go as long. And if there's more than one preacher, then everybody gets a full, full opportunity to preach. Yay. And that's the hard thing about for me coming here is, you know, uh, you've got all these timers, clocks, all that. The, the last time I preached, I was pretty nervous about it. And I, and Paul Evans could tell it was kind of throwing me off. And he just reassured me. He said, all that stuff doesn't matter a bit to Buddy Bell. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, No I, doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Just, just for clarification purposes, would you say one more time how long they preach? <laughs> I mean, if you show up at midnight, they'll let you preach Amen. all night. Amen. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Good idea. Well, in this chapter... He's, he's really trying to bring it to conclusion, having a hard time, because there's so many great men and women of faith through history that he wants to mention. And so he goes through this great litany of men, and he says this, the world was not worthy of them. What a great compliment to say, you know what, this globe is not worthy of these people to walk on. Now understand, as we've been saying this whole series, these people weren't perfect, but they had a faith that was world-changing. And that's what we're seeking today. Now, two things I want you to see today about this kind of faith. First of all, faith is trusting in God for miraculous victories. They experience that. But on the other hand, it almost seems contradictory. 
Faith is also trusting in God in devastating defeats. We're going to see both of these things in these verses. Well, let's get into the text. Kevin, read Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 35. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Uh, uh, this, uh, this is where we wish the chapter would stop, because these are great stories. And the point here is faith is trusting God for miraculous victories. Now, we're a little bit uncomfortable with the word miraculous, but the term miraculous simply means the intervention of God. It means something happens that would not have happened if God had not intervened. And so truly, miracles happen here, and we must believe that miracles happen today. If not, why do we pray? Because we believe that God can intervene and do great things. And in this text, there are so many great stories. I mean, you just think about just one of the guys mentioned here, Gideon. I mean, here, here Gideon comes to battle against the Midianites who have thousands and thousands of troops. And Gideon starts with, you know, like 32,000 himself. And God whittles the army down to 300. It's insurmountable odds. And yet God gives them an incredible victory. And you got all these guys, you know, who escaped the sword, who quenched the fire. I mean, it's amazing stories of God intervening. These people are weak and yet they're strong and they're powerful in battle. We all want to be there. So Kevin, as we talk this morning, tell us about some of the miraculous victories you have seen in your ministry in Tanzania. Yeah, you know, um, Several of the people here that I know the MVT, the staff of the church, the elders have been really praying for us a lot this last year. You know, we had a kind of a tough, challenging year. Uh, we have helped some other mission teams come into the country. We had a team working on the Muslim coast of the country and uh, hard, hard ministry. Uh, and there is some problems, some opposition there. They ended up actually getting kicked out of the country uh, uh, Christmas time of 2014, and we all were put under investigation. Uh, so it was a real uh, stressful time, especially for our families, you know, because it's you get seven days to to get out and never come back if the the government decides that uh, you can't be there anymore. So we started praying, and uh, landmark uh, leaders started praying for us, and uh, you know. We eventually got some advice. We just needed to, to start up something new, something different, an organization. But we, we knew that it was going to be hard to set up a not-for-profit there as, as foreigners. And so we started working this out. Well, just before I came here a couple weeks ago, I was, I was signing the papers for this uh, kind of legal organization we're setting up. And I got a phone call from, from a guy that I, I know from one of our, our villages that we work, this guy named Emma. And I've got to, I've got to go back uh, a little bit to explain why this is such a, a God thing, why, why God really worked this, this out for us. Because actually I met Emma back, I think it was maybe seven years ago when Bruce and Beth Smith had come 
uh, to visit us in Tanzania. They did a seminar. We started an HIV AIDS support group. Scott Emma was in one of our villages. He was doing community development work. And we, we started working together with him, and he was helping us, and just got to be pretty good friends with this guy. Well, a few years ago, he got hired by a guy that was in, in Parliament to kind of be a local um, uh, liaison for him amongst his community. Uh, and then uh, through him, the, this guy in, in government asked us to get more involved in, in health, uh, more involved in developing their communities. Right after that, we got a partnership to help with some water wells uh, in our community. So we started working on that uh, together with this, this guy, Emma. Well, his boss just got elevated to, to a new position with the new government to, to be the Minister of Home Affairs. So now he's over all the organizations like ours over immigration, uh, over, over everything that we've been praying about just to get God's help and God's favor. And he called me that, that night a couple weeks ago to say, yeah, this guy, um, Charles Kitwanga, he's available. Like, he'd like to invite you all to have dinner at his place. You know, just when I was there signing papers for this organization. So we got together, me and my coworkers, Eric and Jason, and went out to his house. And we were there for a couple hours with him. And, and he let us know, you know, just... Um, you know, that, that he'd help us out if anything got stuck, you know, that, that he'd be able to help us out. And it's not anything that we sought out, like strategically, you know, that we're going to try to work some angle, get some influence. I mean, we were just kind of doing what, what God had called us to do, and he opened this door of opportunity. It seems like for us, that's a lot of times God's intervention can be very subtle, uh, but you can look back and see how God was working, even in Bruce and Beth, when they came years and years ago. It was opening a door of opportunity that, that really is turning out to be a blessing and encouragement. And it's going to open the doors for future ministry as well. So uh, I'm just am so thankful for the prayers. I think that when we get our, you know, the MBT and others to pray, I mean, they're praying so much harder than we are, uh, even on the field. And so God is good, and he's going to open doors for us and hear our prayers. You, you love it when, when you can look, now that you can look back by faith and you see how God orchestrated all that. Yeah. And we all love it, don't we, when God intervenes and does something so extremely powerful. I was reminded this week of one of our brothers here, Bob McClellan. 18 years ago, Bob went to the, the doctor. He had some heart issues and the doctor looked his heart and said, Bob, you've got three or four days to live. He, he left the doctor's office, asked the church to pray. The church prayed. He went back to the doctor's office the next day and they re-examined him and the doctor said, something has happened overnight that we cannot explain. It has to be an intervention of God. And, and there's Bob 18 years later, still living a great life. We love it when God does those, those miraculous things in our life. And it really, I look back at the history of this church and I wanna, I wanna challenge us all, Mission Sunday coming up and just our local mission that we act on faith. I mean, it's over 40 years ago that a small group of people decided there was a need for an evangelistic church in the edge of East Montgomery, which was East Elm Mall, and started a church. And then years later decided to come out to what was a cow pasture out here that looked like a crazy place for a church and build a church so that people could be reached. And I wanna challenge all of us, are, are we still willing to walk by faith are we still willing to believe that God can do things that are truly beyond us? How boldly are we praying? You know, sometimes we'll get critical of people who believe what we call the health and wealth gospel or the name it and claim it. If you name it and you say it in the right words and you claim it, it's got to happen. And 
the verses we're about to look at will completely critique that kind of preaching. But on the other hand, it, it, it scares me that maybe we're on the other side of the spectrum that we really don't believe that God intervenes. And we don't believe in miracles. And we don't pray like we believe they can happen. And so I want to challenge us to be that group of people who read these stories of faith and recognize they're put here to tell us they could be our stories. Your experience, and I think often in a, a non-Western culture, there's more belief in something miraculous happening than our very rational culture here. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, that, those are great stories. We're challenged to pray with faith. Now, let's go to the next section. We're, we're really, um, you know, the story changes abruptly. Go back to verse 35 with me in Hebrews 11. I mean, we, we love the end of it. Women receive back their dead, raised to life again. And, and then, then the, the, the preacher here takes a, a U-turn. And, and we'd, we'd probably rather this part wasn't in there, but it is. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stonings. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Here's the other point. Faith also is trusting God in devastating defeats. If you're taking notes, you might insert a word there. Faith is trusting God in apparent devastating defeats. You know, what looks like a devastating defeat to us may not really be that to God. Now, do you notice the contrast between the two groups of people? The, the first group we read about escaped the sword. The second was killed by the sword. The, the first group, their armies were routed. The second, they routed foreign armies. They were victorious. The second group, they're sawed in two. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And here's what I want you to see today is the great person of faith is not just the person who experiences great miracles in their life. It's also the person who endures awful things in their life. In fact, you might say the second group has more faith than the first group. In fact, I like this quotation. It takes more faith to endure than to escape. Wow. Takes more faith to endure than to escape. Um, Kevin, how have you seen this kind of faith among the Tanzanians? Yeah, you know, when you're uh, sharing that, uh, as we're thinking about preaching together, um, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, about three weeks ago, you know how ministry, you can have these, these amazing peaks and valleys. You know, that was kind of one of those moments for me because I had this, uh, this group of, of guys that, uh, church leaders, these ministers that were working together for these water wells. And we had this amazing, like, three-day retreat. We were together just uh, planning our work, praying, studying, saying scripture together. I think I've got a picture of them. Uh, we're kind of, uh, there's a picture of them, these, these guys at a, at a water well uh, that we had finished. Yeah, these guys, these are great, great men of faith. Well, at the end of this retreat, you know, it was like in the evening time, we're going to leave the next morning. And one of these guys, Hermani, got a phone call from home that his, you know, eight-day-old child had, had died. 
just uh, unexplainably had mm. had died, and um, you know, I mean, I was I was gutted. He was gutted. Everyone was, uh, I mean, just terribly just gutted by this news. But as I, I looked around and saw that all these other guys had experienced something like this. And so these guys were surrounding Hermione, encouraging him, praying for him in a way that I really couldn't. I've never been through that. Thank God I hadn't had to experience that kind of thing in my life. But, um, but I know also that when this guy Hermione goes back home, that's when it gets really difficult because those around, because most people where we are have a traditional view, a traditional religion perspective where you know, things like this happen because you've not kept the ancestors happy or you've not used some kind of traditional medicine to keep your family safe. And so you've got people that kind of make little comments like, oh, you know what, a lot of good this Christianity is doing for you now, huh? You know, you've given, you know, you serve the Lord, you don't even get paid for what you're doing in service to God, and then then look, this happens to you, you would have been better off had you done this or better off had you done that. And it's sometimes it's from non-believers, sometimes it's from people within the family, you know, that don't have faith. Uh, so it's, it's a real difficult tension. And, and one of these guys, let's tell a short story about one of these guys, because he, he really encouraged me last year when I really understood a little bit more of the depth of, of his faith in enduring. This guy, uh, John, one of the guys on this water well committee, a church leader, uh, I think the next picture is of, of him. Uh, but he's kind of like our junior Bagwell. I like to think of him. Here's just a humble man of faith, of service, um, not a guy that loves to get up and preach, but a guy who's going to be the first to serve and, and first to encourage others. Uh, well, I didn't realize this, but he has a, a grandchild in his home. And the way people live there, you live multiple generations all together. He's kind of the head of his extended family. And his, his grandchild is an albino child. Now, what really shocked me about that is you just don't see albino children in homes in the village there. It, it doesn't happen because, uh, unfortunately and tragically, there's, a, there's been a trade there in, in our part of Tanzania in albino body parts uh, for magic potions, for uh, all kinds of terrible stuff. I don't want to get into all of that, but... Um, he's taking care of this child at home. Now, I went to talk to him because I tried to figure out, you know, what makes him tick, whereas, whereas everybody else is putting children like this in orphanages or in kind of government camps to keep these kids safe. Uh, and so I wanted to figure out kind of what his thinking was and what was giving him this faith. Well, turns out it's, it's not complex. He's not trying to make a, a huge stand. It's just He's totally filled with the love of Christ. And he wants this child to grow up in his home. He's not afraid if people accuse him or think something of him, that he's done something spiritual to cause this, this to happen. Um, he's going to take on any kind of risk or any kind of bad thoughts of others because he loves this child. And this guy was a drunkard. I mean, he was a heavy drunkard who at that time of his life could care about nothing else outside of getting his next drink. Um, but God has totally changed him so that he's able to endure and do the right thing irregardless of, or regardless of whatever might happen. And so I just see that in our church leaders. I see that in our churches. You know, one of the things that uh, really encourages me is I've done a little research. We, we've got about 300 orphans amongst our churches, and I don't know who they are. Because when I go to the church, 
They're just like every other kid in that church. They've been taken yeah. in by families or loved by families. Uh, and so just seeing how, how people are willing to take extra hardship. And when there's not enough food for your own family to eat, to take an orphan into your household is an oh. act of faith. Uh, and so seeing that in the lives of our, our churches and the believers there uh, encourages me just that, that we can endure and God will be faithful. One way or another, God will be faithful. Yeah, I, I love that because those are two different elements we've seen of faith. It's faith is trusting God for the miracle, but it's also trusting God for the strength to make it through when the miracle doesn't happen. And we could tell stories like I just told about Bob McClellan, and we can tell stories about others here that we've prayed for whose lives have passed away. And yet, I think both take an amazing faith, and it really is a stepping back and saying, God, I'm just trusting you. In fact, I've asked Kevin to read this passage from Daniel, where I think Daniel summarizes the kind of faith and really the kind of prayers we ought to pray when we hit something very difficult. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of God, image of gold you have set up. Boy, isn't that a great expression of faith? Lord, we know you can deliver us, but even if you don't, we're going to trust you. I love what um, uh, Andy's been sharing about the missionaries kidnapped, you know, over in Burkina Faso. And that they've asked the people not to pray for their deliverance, but to simply pray that God's glorified one way or the other. Now, that's faith. That's amazing faith. And so now let's get to the, the last section of our, our passage today. Verses 39 through 40. I love this. He says, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. The first group, they had received what had been promised. The second group, he says, they hadn't received. And then this is a very curious line that we're going to look at. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So here's our last point this morning. Faith is trusting and anticipating total victory. Faith is believing God can do the miracle. It's believing God can give you the strength when he doesn't do the miracle. But above all of this, faith believes that one day we're going to have absolute total victory. I want to read to you a quotation from uh, John Piper that, wow, just, just knocks this out of the ballpark in what I think we're trying to learn today. The common feature of the faith that escapes suffering and the faith that endures suffering is this. Both of them involve believing that God himself is better than what life can give you now and is better than what death can give, can take from you later. Did you you hear that? Better than what life can give you now, better than what death could take from you later. When you have it all, faith says... God is better. When you lose it all, faith says, God is better. What does faith believe in the moment of torture? That if God loved me, he would get me out of this? No. 
Faith believes there's a kind of resurrection for which believers and makes it better than the miracle of escape. It is better than the kind of resurrection experienced by the widow's son who returned to life to die again later. What's it saying? Whether God delivers you or doesn't deliver you, we all know that there is something better coming. And it's that, that, that place of perfection and complete healing. So, Kevin, um, I, I think often in Western culture, we're so focused on the here and now, and, and we are able most of the time to make life pretty comfortable, mm-hmm. that we don't focus on that final victory. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. How do you see a greater appreciation among the Tanzanians for the final victory in heaven than what you see here? Yeah, I, I think the most tangible way that I see it is in funerals, you know, because we go to a lot of funerals, uh, and most of the funerals I go to are, are funerals of, of people within our churches. But sometimes I'll go to a funeral that just happens to be, I'm, I'm in a village and there's a, someone has passed away. Uh, and to see in, in our in our funerals, in, in Christian funerals, you know, this, this hope is so present, you know, that there will be no more tears, there'll be no more suffering, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they own that. And they know that because their life is so full of those things. Uh, and not just the suffering that they experience, but, um, but all the spiritual stuff going on, uh, they, they need the hope. They need the hope that Christ offers. But when you go to a funeral of someone who's, um, you know, he's not in the Lord and the family isn't faithful to the Lord or, or doesn't know the Lord, then you just get this, it's just the culmination of fear, the culmination of, of separation. They've lived lives that are kind of struggling with all these spiritual realities. And then when you die, you're only remembered as long as somebody's making offerings to you to kind of keep your spirit going. And so it's a depressing, uh, you know, just hopeless kind of scenario. Uh, and so I just think the hope, and there's not a lot of other things that give hope in life when you're a subsistence farmer, you're just depending on God to provide the rain, you're depending on uh, God to provide you food to eat. Um, the hope that you get through Christ, um, you realize it's, it's all you've got. There's uh, nothing else that's going to give you hope. Nothing else is going to give you peace. Nothing else is going to bring you salvation except Jesus. So, so give me, uh, what, how would a Tanzanian funeral look different than an American funeral? Even? <laughs> well, it's, one thing is everybody shows up. You know, okay. everybody in the community has got to show up. Uh, and it's, you know, it could be a couple days. You know, everyone stays together for a couple days, you know, for eating meals together. Um, and it's, it's kind of a big community event. Uh, there's, you can have fun. It's, it's not bad. To, people are playing little games of, uh, a game called Embow. You know, it's this little game with, with seeds on a board. People are just kind of playing games and catching up and, and reconnecting with families and other people that have been far off. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the non-Christian funerals tend to be pretty short. Huh. I mean, it's kind of like throw that body in the dirt and let's get on with life because <laughs> we don't want to think about wow. this. Uh, so so the, the Christian funerals are a celebration. They really are a great celebration. And there's sadness, of course, but it's a celebration. Uh, whereas uh, the unbeliever, the funeral is pretty short. Let's get this done. <laughs> wow, what, what, a, what an amazing contrast. And sometimes we forget the difference faith makes because we try to make funerals look the same whether they're believers or not here. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. Um, one more question, and we are running out of time. What more shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
probably a lot. <laughs> um, what else have you learned from the Tanzanians in being in a different culture? Yeah, you know this, this verse here, this uh, verse 40. Yeah, go ahead and show that on the screen, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it says, you know, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, that's a challenge to understand. I, the first time I read it, I didn't pick up on it until we talked about it the other day. Just this idea of together with us, would they be made perfect? You know, I would think together with Christ, would they be made perfect? Or, you know, or, or something very individualistic. But it has this picture of the community. And that's something that our churches, our church leaders are always teaching me, is the importance of community, the importance of taking care of the relationships. Even if you're far from somebody, if you have a relationship with them, you want to honor that, that relationship. I tell you what, it's challenged me a lot. It's convicted me. I think a, a, a couple years ago, I realized that... Uh, you know, especially in the area of, of finances, you know, we were, you know, our family would give to the church wherever we were at. So if we were in Tanzania, you know, our offering to the Lord would be there. And if we came back here for, you know, a month, every couple of years, our offering would be here. And then we started realizing that this is our body. This is our church. These are our elders. Um, you're our minister. So we realized that, um, I mean, not only are there so many people here that are, you know, Without them, we wouldn't have, you know, food to eat on our table. You know, Brenda and Debbie and Charlene and Jennifer, all these people keep us going and Andy keeps us going. But, but even the people who we don't interact with regularly, we, we know that if we've got a problem and we've, we've had problems where we need some advice raising our kids as Terry D's that we go to. And we know that if we have, you know, as our kids get older, if they have struggles with depression or alcohol, we're going to be talking to Caleb and Nikki, and, and if, if our marriage has problems, we're going to be talking to Al, or for all these things, it's going to be the elders of this church that are going to be praying for us. And so um, it, it was easy for us for a long time to say, you know, churches in Tanzania don't have a big, nice building to meet in. They don't have a life center. They don't have any of this stuff. They need it more. Uh, but then we, we were convicted by our church leaders that, no, you're, you know, your body, if you're part of a body, that body is your community, and, and you have an obligation there, and don't run from the obligation. You know, celebrate, because the people in this church have been fully obligated to us, you know? And so we have a joy to be able to kind of share our offerings. We're not, uh, we're on this journey of learning to be faithful with our offerings, but, um, but we've kind of set up to make sure, even when we're not here, some of our offering is, is coming to Landmark. And I say that not to draw attention to ourselves, but just this conviction that we have that, um, yeah, the body's important and we need to, to be fully invested in the body that's fully invested in us. Amen. Well, that's, that's challenging for us. I mean, you think about that. Uh, um, and one thing I love about you guys is our, our missionaries is, is you are that big a part of this church. You, this is family. We're not just sending you over there. And, and you guys, when you've been here, you've made sure you were invested and I hope we do the same for you. I love the way you looked at that verse. There's all kinds of interpretations of, of this verse 40. Uh, one of my favorite comes down to this. He says, only together with us are they made complete. And, and, and one interpretation is the word, you know, mature there is, is the word, or perfect there is the word for complete. And so here's the way it comes down is that God's great story of faith is not complete without us. We've come to the end of chapter 11 now. 
all these men and women who do amazing things of faith. And, and what the writer wants us to see here, the conclusion is, is that our stories belong here with theirs. And, and that's our challenge today, is not to leave here and live like everyone else. There's a contrast in our lives as much as there is a contrast in the funerals of Tanzanians, that a life of faith looks different. So I want to ask you two questions before we sing together. You know, what victory are you experiencing right now by faith? You know, a lot of times on this front row, we share our struggles. Maybe we need to add something different to this front row. Maybe we need to share our victories. Is there an area that your faith is blessing you? Are you experiencing that thing that could only be called a miracle? That only happened because of the intervention of God? I'd invite you to come up and share that. The second question is, what devastating defeat are you in the middle of right now? Or are you in the middle of something that's, that's testing your faith? And yet would probably be the most significant opportunity you've ever had to display your faith. Because listen to our sermon today. Faith is trusting God to do miraculous things, praying God, we know you can do this and we believe it. Not itty bitty pitiful prayers, but God, we trust you. But faith is also going, you know what, Lord, if if you decide not to answer it that way, I'm gonna trust you in the middle of the difficulty. If you're facing the difficulty or you're celebrating the victory today, we'll give you an opportunity to share it right now while we stand together and sing.